Welcome to Season 2 of the Esthetician Hub Podcast, where we dive deeper into the world of skincare and wellness. I'm your host and licensed holistic medical esthetician, Vanessa, and in this season, I'm excited to bring you even more insightful conversations with some of the most inspiring estheticians, beauty entrepreneurs, and wellness gurus in the industry. From discussing the latest skincare trends to exploring the challenges and rewards of entrepreneurship, we'll cover it all. So sit back, relax, and let's get glowing. In this episode, we're going to be interviewing Maria Marlowe, who is a celebrity nutritionist specializing in acne. She is also the founder of Kuma, which is a science-backed ingestible skincare company on a mission to revolutionize how people think about skincare. Hi, Maria, and welcome to the Esthetician Hub. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Vanessa. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. So let's start off by telling our listeners how you became a nutritionist specializing in treating acne. I definitely did not grow up thinking that this would be my career trajectory, but I think like many people in the wellness space, it all started with my own personal problems, and that was that I had acne. So I had acne for nearly five years, despite trying all the things. I started with the the drugstore, topical medications, and then graduated to the proactive from the infomercial, then to the dermatologist. I tried antibiotics. They put me on birth control. They put me on spironolactone. So I went through this whole sort of totem pole of acne treatments and medications, and nothing worked. So it got to a point after like, four or five years of doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, I really felt like something was wrong with me because my skin was not responding and my skin was still breaking out. So fast forward, I get introduced to this concept of food as medicine, which at first I thought was crazy, but I was sitting at, um, at lunch with a friend and complaining about my skin and she said, hey, you know, it might be caused by what you're eating. And I nearly spit coca-cola out of my nose Um, and meanwhile i'm eating like two slices of pizza coca-cola and a box of entomans chocolate chip cookies for lunch and uh she's like yeah it might be caused by what you're eating and i'm like "Hmm, okay that's weird i've been to all these dermatologists but not one of them have ever asked me what i was eating so i was skeptical but i was also desperate and willing to try anything So I drastically overhauled my diet, got rid of the processed and packaged foods, started eating more nutrient-dense foods. I started working on my gut health because I was always bloated. I had a lot of digestive issues, especially from all the antibiotics I had taken. And lo and behold, my skin cleared up in about three months, which was crazy and something none of these other topical or even internal treatments were able to do. And so I was just so blown away by my own transformation that I decided to go back to school to study nutrition and cooking, to really learn more about it, to understand it better, and then to ultimately teach others about the power of food as medicine. Right, exactly. And I think that's such a great, great point of view because at the end of the day, the connection between gut health and acne is very, very crucial. And not a lot of people talk about this. And I agree with you, especially if you go to the doctors, that's not the first thing that they'll talk to you about, right? And um, can you tell us a little bit more about that connection between the gut health and your acne? Definitely. 
So we're starting to hear a little bit more about it now in 2023, Mm -hmm. but as you mentioned, still not enough. But it's not actually a new concept. And in fact, there were these two dermatologists back in the 1930s, uh, John H. Stokes and Donald M. Pillsbury, who started doing these experiments and basically set the groundwork or the framework for what we now call the gut-brain-skin connection. And what they realized was that their patients with acne and other inflammatory skin conditions also had depression, anxiety, stress, all these sort of negative emotions. And they hypothesized that these negative emotions were actually disrupting the gut which created inflammation and then created breakouts. And so they did some studies on this and uh, their, their hypothesis was proven correct, not just by them, but over the you know, subsequent decades, other, um, other studies have shown similar results that negative emotions, again, stress, worry, depression, fear, they actually cause a disruption of the gut. So they alter the gut microbiome essentially wiping out some of the good anti-inflammatory bacteria, which then allows the proliferation or the growth of some of the pro-inflammatory bacteria. And the stress can also disrupt the gut barrier as well. And these changes in the gut create inflammation, not just in the gut, but that, that inflammation also spreads throughout the body and can show up as inflammation of the skin. And if you think about acne, what is it? It's inflammation of the skin. It's right, that red raised bump. So you know, in their research, they also hypothesized that adding acidophilus cultures into the diet, which we now know as probiotics, they were not called probiotics back in the day, um, but they hypothesized that adding these cultures into the diet, uh, like via fermented foods, could actually cut off this stress acne cycle by cutting it off in the gut. And they did find uh, basically great results with that as well. And now we know again, several decades later, that there is research to suggest that probiotic supplementation can help uh, with skin issues, many skin issues, including acne. Right. And that's a really, really good topic to talk about because at the end of the day, you know, I have clients that come into the studio and they're dealing with acne. And of course, we can look at it from a skincare treatment, right? You can do those chemical peels, you can do those microneedling treatments. But at the end of the day, if you're not looking at that holistic aspect, you're not looking at what this person is ingesting in terms of nutrition, what this person is taking in terms of supplements, is this person having enough sleep, is this person uh, managing their stress properly, right? Like all of these little factors actually lead to acne. It's not just one certain aspect that's going to cause acne. And it's also not one certain aspect that's going to heal your acne as well, right? Like a lot of these factors, it's kind of like a domino effect. If you're eating good, if you're sleeping good, if you're hydrating yourself properly, at the end of the day, this is what's going to not only heal your acne, but help you become the better version of yourself as well. Um, Now, I wanted to ask you, how could someone tell if their gut bacteria is not good and what would they be able to do to fix it? Yeah, so some of the first and easiest signs to see would be if you have any digestive issues. So any bloating, Mm -hmm. gas, constipation, diarrhea, um, these would all be signs. And I do want to point out that because I've seen this in my practice where sometimes I'll be like, oh, do you have any digestive issues? No, I'm good. And then when you prod a little bit further, 
it'll come out that, oh, I'm, you know, I get bloated every day after every meal. And I'm like, oh, well, don't you think that's a digestive issue? And uh, they'll be like, no, well, it just happens every single day. So I just figured it was normal. That was my body. But that's, that's, that's very common, but it's not normal. Your body should be able to digest foods without getting bloated and gassy after every single meal. You shouldn't be in pain. Um, you shouldn't have to strain to go. Like it should all be easy breezy. So just something to keep in mind, like really ask yourself, how is your digestion? Um, and even with constipation, you can be going once a day, eliminating once a day and still be constipated if you're not eliminating fully. So just some things to throw out there. Um, so those would all, of course, if you have digestive issues, that's a sign that something's not right in your gut. But you may not have obvious digestive issues. You may have inflammatory skin problems like acne or psoriasis, um, rosacea. These could all be signs of uh, a gut issue. And even if you have an, uh, an autoimmune disease, autoimmune diseases are believed to widely start in the gut. So that could be also um, a sign that you want to look more deeply into what's going on with your gut health. And the, the best way to do that is to test. You can go to a functional or integrative medicine doctor who can run some stool tests and they'll be able to give you a better idea of what's going on inside and, and how to remedy it. Usually those remedies are gonna include things that support the gut lining. So for example, uh, bone broth is really great for the gut lining, L-glutamine, uh, probiotics, um, removing any foods that you have a sensitivity or allergy to would be really important. Uh, dietary changes, so uh, removing or uh, avoiding minimizing foods like refined sugar and processed foods that again can be disrupting the gut and causing or creating more inflammation adding in um, fiber-rich foods, making sure you're hydrating enough. All of these are things that, you know, um, that would be helpful. And there's also lifestyle factors like managing your stress, um, making sure you're sleeping enough, uh, getting some sunshine, all of these things help. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I wanted to ask you, in your practice with your clients, um, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you've heard when people talk about acne treatments and how do you address those? Yeah, so I would say the number one misconception about acne is that it's caused by bacteria. It's not. Okay. It's caused by inflammation. Mm -hmm. And the idea that acne is caused by bacteria started really back in the 1950s when at that time that was the main prevailing hypothesis. Um, but since the 1980s, further research has demonstrated that it's actually not the case. So I grew up thinking that this P. acnes bacteria, which has now been re renamed C. acnes bacteria, but this was the cause of my acne and I needed to kill it. I needed to obliterate it, scrub it out, peel it out, whatever I had to do. I needed to like get this thing off my face. Uh, but it turns out that this particular bacteria is a commensal or good bacteria. It's found on the skin of healthy people with clear skin, as well as those with acne and in similar amounts. Uh, it is also, um, it could be, or someone that has acne may not have this particular bacteria on their skin as well. So we know that that is not the main driving factor. The bacteria may play some role in acne, but it's not actually the spark that sets off the fire of acne. Right. Inflammation is now believed to be the primary driver of acne. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the biggest misconception. It's, it's inflammation that we need to target, not, um, 
bacteria. So just in terms of treatments, antibiotics are the most prescribed acne treatment at the moment, but they're not very effective. And oftentimes the maximum amount of time that someone is supposed to be on them, according to the American Academy of Dermatology, is three months. They're not really supposed to be prescribed longer than that because we know that long-term antibiotic use can be harmful. Um, but uh, some, some studies suggest that the average length of time an acne patient is on antibiotics is closer to a year. It's about 11 months. And so um, they're not working in three months. And what we know now is that the reason that antibiotics may have worked at all for acne is more because of their anti-inflammatory effects rather than their antimicrobial effects. So instead of attacking the bacteria, what we really need to attack is the inflammation. inflammation. And then the way that we do that is through a diet and lifestyle changes. Right. So I'd say that's the biggest biggest misconception. Misconception. And that's really, really good because I think like when you're in school, a lot of people teach you that yes, acne is caused by bacteria, but I love that perspective. And um, we're going to talk more about like anti-inflammatory foods a bit later. I wanted to ask you though, have you noticed any particular patterns or common related issues for clients that deal with hormonal acne? Yeah, um, a couple of things. So yeah. constipation, constipation. So hormonal acne often starts in the gut, which is again not something that people talk about. When when someone has hormonal acne, the first inclination is to do something to the hormones, like take a medication, for example, that's supposed to balance the hormones. But I would encourage people to ask the question: Why are my hormones? out of balance because the hormones don't just fall out of balance, you know, for no reason. There's something that's causing them to get out of whack. And so um, there are a lot of things in our modern diet and lifestyle that we know negatively impacts our hormonal health. So for example, um, sugar and a high sugar diet, a diet high in refined carbohydrates, we know that that can lead to um, hormone imbalance. So I would check my blood sugar levels. Um, I would make sure I'm eating a low glycemic load diet to keep my blood sugar levels more stable and see how that helps. I would make sure I'm eating enough fiber because, um, so like I, I, I believe I said, um, constipation is associated with acne in general and particularly hormonal acne because the way that we get rid of excess hormones is through our stool. And so if we're constipated, those hormones can actually get reabsorbed back into the bloodstream, which then contributes to that hormone imbalance. So simply making sure that we're eliminating regularly, daily, that can make sure that we're eliminating those excess hormones. So eating enough fiber. And studies show that people who do have hormonal imbalances, consuming a fiber-rich diet is beneficial for bringing those hormones back into balance. Um, so those are basically sugar, uh, you know, balancing your blood sugar and making sure that you're going every single day um, would be the two places that I would start. Okay. That's amazing. And I think you already answered like my next question that I had here. Um, so it would have been like, what would be the first thing you'd recommend for people with hormonal acne to do? And I think definitely adding more fiber into your diet. And could you tell a little bit the listeners about what types of foods are high in fiber? Certainly. So essentially any of your, your plant-based foods are going to have fiber. So things like vegetables, fruit, whole grains, beans, lentils, uh, 
Some of the highest sources of fiber are beans and lentils. Um, avocado is actually very surprisingly for a lot of people very high in fiber. Um, apples, uh, artichoke hearts, um, basically all your fruits, vegetables, beans, uh, whole grains, these are going to be good sources of fiber. So making sure that you're getting enough. And so what I always advise people is to, whenever you're filling your plate for your meal, try to make at least 50% of it vegetables. They could be any vegetables you want. They could be cooked. They could be raw. Um, anything you want. If you do have digestive issues, I would encourage you to eat more of the cooked vegetables because they're a little bit easier to digest. Okay. Um, soups also are great. Vegetable soups that are pureed. Uh, make sure 50% of your plate is vegetables. And if you do that at most of your meals, you should be getting enough fiber. I like that. And I really like that you're emphasizing on that because I feel like the standard American diet is very not that at all like I think um, your vegetables are more of like a side dish if that makes sense and the protein is actually the emphasis on your meal every single time right like your chicken or your steak so that's a really really good perspective um, for those who obviously want to have more protein intake but they don't want to you know eat chicken or steak what would be a really good um alternative for that yeah well protein is really important and i love what yeah. you said this is something i actually say all the time i feel like the american plate is flipped in terms of the protein is the main dish and the veggies are the side whereas it needs to be the opposite the, the right. veggies are the main and the protein is the side but that's to say like we still need protein and that's also really important um, for so many things including our blood sugar balance um, and so if you didn't want to have meat or chicken, a wild seafood is great. And uh, things like wild salmon, for example, um, anchovies, sardines, cod, herring, uh, mackerel. Um, seafood is uh, a great source of protein. And it also, many types of seafood also have omega-3 fatty acids which are well known for being anti-inflammatory, which is really important if you have any inflammatory condition, including acne. So I'd say you could do that. If you wanna do a plant protein, you could do uh, beans like chickpeas, black beans, lentils, any sort of plant protein like that. You could do an organic non-GMO tofu. Uh, so there's, there's a wide variety of things that you can have if you didn't want chicken or, or meat. Okay, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And I know I've heard omega-3s are super great for you, but how do they play a role in hormonal balancing and acne prevention? Yeah, so omega-3s are incredibly important. And um, the research shows that people with acne tend to be omega-3 deficient. And it's actually a common deficiency across the board uh, in the US. It's, it's a very common deficiency. And the reason for that is because Omega-3 is not really found in that many foods, especially those foods that Americans are eating. So the primary sources of omega-3 in the diet would be certain types of fatty seafood, like the wild salmon, for example, um, as well as seeds, like flaxseed, chia seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts, uh, and algae as another sea-like sea seafood source, uh, plant-based source mm -hmm. and um, those are basically the only places you're getting omega-3 yes like grass-fed meat has like a little bit but those are the primary sources and a lot of people don't eat seafood and a lot of people don't eat seeds so if you're not eating those foods you're likely not getting enough omega-3 and then compound that with the fact that 
a lot of people are eating out a lot. They're eating from restaurants, they're eating packaged foods, and all these foods have vegetable oils, which are high in omega-6, and we end up having very, very high levels of omega-6 and very, very low levels of omega-3, and this is recipe for inflammation. So um, omega-3, consuming adequate amount of and an adequate amount of omega-3 is so important for our skin, for our overall health, for our immune system, for our brain health. Um, and if you someone's listening like doesn't like seafood, you just don't like it, um, try the seeds, but also I would I would supplement because you're probably not gonna get enough just from seeds alone. Right. And, oh, and just in terms, I know you asked. Uh, so what some research shows besides for them reducing inflammation, they also can help with balancing excess testosterone. So they could aid in hormone balance as well. Okay, right. And yeah. for those who don't know the difference between omega-3s and omega-6, could you tell a little bit about the listeners about that? So omega-3 and omega-6 are fatty acids. Omega-3 is an essential fatty acid, which means that we need to consume it through our diet. Our body cannot make it. Um, and so um, we need we need both of them, but... In the American diet, we're getting too much omega-6 and too little omega-3. So that's, um, that's something that we really need to pay attention to because too much omega-6 can promote inflammation in the body. And we know that inflammation is the cause of not only acne, but various other chronic illnesses and diseases. Uh, so it's really important that we're, we're keeping those in balance. And so one way we can do that is by eating more omega-3 rich foods. And another way we can do that is by minimizing um, the processed foods with like the vegetable oils um, that are, you know, overwhelming our body with too much, um, too much omega-6. Okay. And what would you say would be a good alternative uh, for the different types of oils people could be using in their cooking? The best oil, in my opinion, is extra virgin olive oil. Mm -hmm. It is uh, anti-inflammatory. It is definitely a very healthy part of the diet. You can cook with it as long as it doesn't smoke. You can cook with it. Um, and the research shows there's all these studies on the Mediterranean diet where olive oil is used pretty extensively. And it shows that olive oil has you know, heart protective properties, um, is anti-inflammatory, and, and promotes good health. And I would just avoid those industrial seed oils that are very heavily processed and refined, um, chemically extracted. Um, these tend to be much higher in omega-6. So this includes things like soy oil, corn oil, grapeseed oil, uh, canola oil. Um, these I would, I would minimize or avoid. Okay. And what do you think about avocado oil? So I do like avocado oil, theoretically, but you may have heard that I, this also happens with olive oil. So it just really depends on the source. There's a lot of fraud in, in the food industry. So there was, a, I think, a consumer reports where they tested all these different avocado oils, mm -hmm. and the vast majority of them were not 100% pure avocado oil. Yeah. They were mixed with soy oil or other vegetable oils. There was one brand, like one or no, I think there were two brands that were actually pure avocado oil and the rest were all mixed. Wow. So just be careful. Make yeah. sure that when you're choosing your oil, that you're choosing a reputable one. Um, price is not always the best uh, way to choose because 
you know, if you see a bunch of oils, this goes for olive oil as well. And you know, one is like significantly cheaper than the others. Something funky is going on there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> so just be just be mindful and cognizant of that, and do your research before um, before purchasing. Yeah, of course. And I just wanted to touch back into the hormonal acne because let's say from time to time, like I know myself and I do like my skin literally goes crazy, especially when it's that time of the month. Are there any specific foods that I could be eating during that time in my menstrual cycle? That's a great question. So I would say that it's not just during that time of your cycle that you want to think about. It's actually like the whole month long. Um, There has been a lot of talk about seed cycling lately, which is where you eat uh, a tablespoon or so of uh, uh, certain seeds like flaxseed and pumpkin seed at the beginning of your cycle. And then like the first two weeks and then the second two weeks you have sesame seeds and sunflower seeds. And that is you know, promote it as a way to help balance your, balance your hormones. And some people find it beneficial and and like it, but I, I actually, uh, incorporated seeds into my diet to heal my own hormonal acne. And I found that just eating these seeds regularly throughout the month, but not like specifically focusing on, okay, these two at the beginning of the month, these two at the end of the month still works perfectly. So I don't think you need to like time them. I think that incorporating flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds regularly into your diet, at least a tablespoon or two every single day throughout the month is just as beneficial as like following the the schedule because seeds are um, mineral rich. They have uh, those omega-3s that we talked about. Um, they have fiber. Uh, so so they're just an excellent part of the diet, you know, all month long. Amazing. So I'm definitely going to be noting that. Definitely going to be doing that. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to talk about the link between dairy consumption and hormonal acne. Because I know a lot of people talk about this online, especially about dairy consumption and how that can lead to acne. What are your thoughts about that? Yes. So sadly, I, I do uh, agree with those people online because there is a lot of research around this. And I'm Italian, so I grew up eating a lot of dairy, a lot of cheese, a lot of milk. Uh, and what I found was that it does break me out. And the, you know, the easiest thing that you can do is just experiment with yourself. So I, I'll share a couple of studies in a second, but regardless of the studies, you, you can do your own experiment. So if you have acne and you consume dairy, cut it out for two weeks, cut out all the dairy for two weeks and see how your skin responds. Then at the end of the two weeks, you can reintroduce it and then see how it responds then. So if you notice that your skin gets a lot clearer, less red, less inflamed during those two weeks, and then it flares up again once you you know add it back in, that's a pretty good indicator that it's not sitting well with you and it may be contributing to your breakouts. So actually, um, in my clear skin plan, I've I've written about this. So there was a a meta-analysis published in 2018 in the journal Nutrients Mm -hmm. that pooled data from 14 studies, which included nearly 80,000 people between the ages of 7 and 30. And the authors concluded that any dairy, such as milk, yogurt, and cheese, was associated with an increased odds ratio for acne in individuals age 7 to 30. 
which is a huge, I mean, 80,000 people is, is, a, is a very large amount of people. For sure. There was another study, 2005, um, Harvard researchers used data from the Nurses Health Study 2, including over 47,000 women, and found a positive association between milk consumption, particularly skin milk consumption, and acne. Mm. So there are, there are plenty of studies, and what I will say is that um, even if you look on the American Academy of Dermatology website, which has notoriously kind of shied away from talking about food and acne for, for a very long time, even on their website, they acknowledge that there is, there is some association in the data. So um, dairy, I would say dairy and refined sugar, refined carbohydrates are two of like the most well-established food acne triggers. Yeah, for sure. And I completely agree with you. I think um, a lot of people should just try to do their own research about it and their own testing. If you think that dairy could be a culprit in the cause of your acne, then exactly what you said, they should try cutting it out completely from their system for about a week or two just to see if there's going to be improvements. Or, you know, at the end of the day, it's about balancing your gut, right? Like you said. And I also wanted to talk about insulin resistance because I know you mentioned that earlier. Um, could you explain how insulin resistance could contribute to that hormonal imbalances and an acne in some people? Yeah. So there, um, like I mentioned, there are a ton of studies on, um, the impact of sugar and high, high carbohydrate, refined carbohydrate diets and yeah. acne. And we know that, um, people who consume a high glycemic diet tend to break out more. And then those same people that are breaking out when they move to a low glycemic load diet, their acne reduces. Um, and so what's happening is when we're, we're consuming too much sugar, this is spiking our blood sugar, this is spiking our insulin, and the insulin increases something called IGF-1, um, which is a hormone which is associated with acne, and it also increases our oil production. So uh, hormones control our sebaceous glands, which you know produce the oil for our skin, and certain foods, like high sugar foods, can actually basically turn on those, uh, those oil glands and, and prompt them to produce more oil. Mm -hmm. So when our pores are getting more clogged with this oil, they're more likely to break out. So this doesn't mean that you can never eat sweet foods and this doesn't mean you can never have refined carbohydrates. You just want to be smart about how you're consuming them. They can be a small part of the diet, but they shouldn't be a major part of the diet. Like they are like for me, they used to be the major part of my diet. I grew up with the food pyramid and the food pyramid recommended six to 11 servings of bread, cereal, rice, and pasta a day. Okay. It was the biggest. Yeah. And if you do that, that is a recipe for a breakout, which I ended up with. Yeah. And other, and other health problems, right? Yeah, Weight sure. gain, um, digestive issues, etc. So there are a couple of things that you can do to, uh, you know, still have sweet things once in a while and refined carbohydrates without causing a blood sugar imbalance and skin problems. Mm -hmm. So uh, first of all, portion matters. So if you're having like a little bit, that will be better and better tolerated than if you're having like a huge a huge, huge, huge plate of pasta of yeah. or like, you know, a huge piece of cake, right? Like a whole pizza, all yeah. that stuff. Um, 
Also, you um, want to get into the habit of what I like to call no naked carbs, where if you're going to have some refined carbohydrate, go for it, but don't eat it on its own. So don't eat a piece of toast on its own. Don't eat a bowl of rice on its own. Pair it with a source of protein and fat, and that's going to help to keep your blood sugar more stable. So um, for example, if you want to have rice, have it as part of a meal with you know, a protein, with some veggies, etc. Um, even if you wanted to have, uh, let's say, um, something sweet, like a, you know, a piece of chocolate, for example, pair it with some nuts or nut butter, which is going to give you that protein and that uh, healthy fat that's going to slow down that blood sugar response. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the order in which you eat foods matters. So, for example, with the rice, what the research shows is that if you eat that meal, so like let's say you're having broccoli, salmon, and rice for dinner... If you eat the rice first, then the broccoli, then the the salmon, you're going to have a different blood sugar response than if you were to eat the broccoli first, then the salmon, and then the rice last. Mm -hmm. So it's actually better for blood sugar control is to always have fiber or your veggies first, then to have your protein and fat, and then to have your refined carbs last, or even your dessert. It's best to eat dessert last. Don't eat dessert as a snack. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's like these little tweaks. So you can still have the dessert, but just don't eat it as a snack at 3 p.m. Eat it actually after your dinner, and it will be you'll have better control over your blood sugar, if, even if you're eating the same thing the same amount. Right, and I actually heard about that, like eating your veggies before eating your carbs or before eating your protein. And um, I wanted to talk about that. Like what is the science behind that, and why should people be doing that? So what happens is the fiber in the vegetables actually coats the intestines. And so it prevents later on when you're consuming the refined carbohydrate, it prevents some of the sugar from being absorbed into the bloodstream. So that's that's how it's working. Um, And that's why you can eat the same meal, but just the order that you eat matters. And I've actually tested this out. um, And I recommend anyone who is into biohacking or really into health or is just interested to see how their body is responding to uh, different foods is to try a continuous glucose monitor, which you can get. There's a ton of companies now that that offer this. And it's just basically um, a little sensor that you put on your arm for about two weeks and it sends data to an app on your phone and you can see how each meal is affecting your blood sugar. And there are things that you can do to sort of manipulate, um, you know, how, how your blood sugar responds. So for example, some of the things I mentioned, but you could also try having a shot of apple cider vinegar and water. So like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar and a tall glass of water before a high carbohydrate meal that helps to keep blood sugar more stable. Uh, you could also try walking for 10 to 20 minutes after your meal. That also helps to bring your blood sugar back into balance. So there's a lot of things that you can do. And then using the continuous glucose monitor, I think is just a great way to keep us honest and like really help us understand how different foods and even things like exercise or stress are affecting our blood sugar. Because one of the most interesting things, which again, I knew this in theory, but to see it in my own data was like, wow, okay, I got to work on this was that stress spiked my blood sugar more than any food that I ate. 
And uh, another friend of mine who had used the continuous glucose monitor before me, she told me, she's like, the thing that spiked my blood sugar the most was fighting with my husband. And <laughs> I, I had the same exact results. I was like, I'm going to pick a fight. I'm going to see what happens. And it's the same thing. It just went wow. sky high. So, you know, just also keep that in mind. Like with the food things, I know changing your diet is sometimes can be stressful, definitely in the beginning. So try not to focus on what you can't have or what you're taking out. Focus on the upgrades, focusing on what you can have, focus on nourishing your body uh, because that's, um, that's I think, ultimately the goal is like it's, it's not, you're not depriving yourself, you're, yeah. you're nourishing yourself, you're taking care of yourself. Right. And this is all great information. Thank you so much for this. Um, I definitely wanted to ask you... Um, in terms of fasting, what do you think about that? And is that actually beneficial for people that are dealing with acne? Yeah, so I think as with most things, it's all very individual. Yeah. And there is a lot of interesting research on fasting, intermittent fasting, fasting yeah. for 16 hours. We know that um, the body um, goes into a state of autophagy where it's basically cleaning up all the damaged, um, the damaged cells, which is, you know, is very beneficial. Uh, it's great for, for weight loss, um, but it's not necessarily best for everyone. And especially for women, like women's bodies are different than male bodies. And so we um, may not need to fast as long as men. Um, and, you know, also depending on where we are in a ci our cycle, it may be not beneficial to, you know, to be fasting. So I think it really depends on the individual. Um, it depends on the stress level as well. Like if you're already stressed out and your stress hormones are high, then fasting is definitely not going to be beneficial for you because it's just going to stress your body more. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just a really individual thing. And like for some people, it works fantastically. For others, it doesn't. You know, in terms of your skin, is it something you have to do? Not necessarily. Um, is it something that could benefit some people? Certainly. For sure. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. And if you're a student esthetician and listening to this, I highly recommend taking some notes because this is not necessarily something that you guys are going to be learning in school. That's for sure. And, um, a lot of the things is that, yes, we do learn about nutrition, but I think it's really important that you're bringing this topic up um, and managing your insulin levels, essentially managing the inflammation that's going on inside your body. And I know that you spoke about stress a little bit. So we all know that stress could impact our overall health, but how does that specifically affect our skin and then contribute to acne? There are two main ways that stress contributes to acne. The first is by increasing the stress hormone cortisol, mm -hmm. which then increases our oil production, leading to more clogged pores and more breakouts. The second way is via the gut, which we talked about earlier, and creating inflammation. So the negative thoughts disrupt the gut microbiome. They can disrupt the gut barrier that creates local inflammation in the gut and also body-wide, which can also show up on the skin as inflammation of the skin or breakouts. Wow. Okay. So see, it's crazy to me how all of these 
interrelate, right? Like if you're not taking care of your stress levels, that's actually going to have an effect on your body. And this is why I also like to take a holistic approach with my clients. And like I said earlier, if you're not managing your stress levels, but you're still eating good, but you're not sleeping well, there are certain factors that is still going to affect your skin because at the end of the day, your skin is a reflection of what's going on on the inside, right? So if you're not taking care of your skin externally, of course, that's super important as well. But if you're not taking care of yourself internally, and that doesn't just mean uh, the foods that you're eating, it also means your mind, right? Taking care of your mind, your soul. Like if you're not taking care of this, at the end of the day, you're not going to be a healthy person. Um, And something that I think a lot of people want to know is that when we're stressed, there are some people who experience more breakouts than others. Why is that? And like, are there certain factors that might make someone more prone to stress-induced acne? Yeah, so I think it all has to do with how we each individually react to stress. And the important thing to note about stress is that there's no event in and of itself that is inherently stressful. It's our reaction or our perception of the event that makes it stressful, mm-hmm. right? So for example, something that stresses me out a lot may not stress you out and vice versa. Yeah. Or even if you think about someone, I don't know, getting a scratch on their car, like for some person that is a very stressful event and another person, they don't even bat an eye at it. Right. So it's your reaction to that event that is then setting off that cascade of chemicals or not. So I think that's one factor. The second thing would be um, where our gut health is and our overall health is. Mm -hmm. So for someone who has good gut health, their gut is balanced, it's in a good place, they're probably going to be less affected by the stress than someone whose gut health is, is not in such a great place because if it's already imbalanced then the stress is just tilting it off balance even more. And similarly, someone who's eating a more anti-inflammatory diet versus pro-inflammatory. Yeah. So if you're having a pro-inflammatory diet and then the stress is creating more inflammation, you're just fanning those flames of the fire and making the fire bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Whereas if someone doesn't have a lot of inflammation and they, um, you're, they're eating an anti-inflammatory diet, then that little bit of inflammation that is created by the stress, well, you know, they're combating it pretty quickly. So they're kind of dousing the flames as, as quickly as they come. So I, my guess is that those are the key factors. Right. And obviously practicing stress management techniques can help. Like if you're meditating, if you're being more mindful and also breathing techniques, I think that really, really helps me a lot. And for those who are dealing with stress, I think breathing techniques are amazing. You can even find like guided meditations on YouTube, just breathing properly, being more mindful in the moment. Um, But I wanted to ask you, are there any specific nutrients or supplements that someone could take to support their skin during a stressful time in their lives? Definitely. And I will agree with you 100% on the breath work. I think it's such an incredible uh, tool. It's free. It's quick. And the one, have you ever done the 2X breathing? 2X breathing? No, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, so that's really simple. All you do is you breathe in for a count of three Mm -hmm. and you breathe out for a count of six through your nose for about one minute. And this instantly calms your nervous system. So this is something I turn to like before a podcast or if I'm stressed, like anytime you want to calm down, this is like instant, instant calm. (laughs) Um, But 
In terms of supplements and foods, yes, there are a few things that could help. So matcha or green tea oh. could be beneficial okay. because that has been shown to reduce the stress hormone cortisol. So that could be helpful. Um, magnesium, that is a really, really big one. Yeah. Because, well, first off, magnesium is a very common deficiency across the board. And then when we're stressed, that actually depletes magnesium even more. Wow. So adding in magnesium-rich foods, which includes things like dark leafy greens, beans, um, dark chocolate has, has magnesium, adding these foods in or supplementing with a high-quality magnesium supplement like magnesium glycinate. You can also even get magnesium uh, like oils or sprays that you oh. put on topically on your skin because okay. your skin can absorb it. You can absorb it through your skin. Yeah. So getting enough magnesium, for sure, that's a, that's a big one. And then uh, just in terms of other supplements, I would say probiotics can be helpful because they're also going to help to shut off that, that stress acne cycle. Probiotics, yeah. And would you recommend people taking this uh, once a day, twice a day, or how would that work? Yeah, it would really depend on the particular probiotic. Yeah. Um, probably once a day, as long as you're taking the recommended dose. Mm -hmm once a day should be okay. Okay. Amazing. And I know that sometimes acne and a lot of people are dealing with this as well, but a lot of times, sometimes acne can leave behind those stubborn marks and scars. Um, are there any foods you can recommend to help heal acne scars or help promote skin healing? Yeah, so anything rich in antioxidants and anti-inflammatory is helpful. And actually one tip I'll throw out there. Yeah. So when it comes to scarring, like you'll notice sometimes a pimple will leave a scar, sometimes it won't, right? Yeah. And whether or not it leaves a scar it comes down primarily to inflammation. How much inflammation was there and how long it lasted. So if you had a pimple that was really big and it lasted for a long time, you're more likely to scar than if you had just like a quick little pimple that goes away in a couple days. And so in order to prevent the scarring in the first place, try to reduce the inflammation as much as you can via both topical anti-inflammatory, like different oils, tea tree oil, for example, is anti-inflammatory, yes. many different plant oils are. Yeah. Um, but also internally through your diet. So eating anti-inflammatory foods, adding turmeric to your diet. You can add it to eggs or veggie stir fries, adding ginger, make a ginger tea or add ginger to, you know, veggie dishes, add it to a smoothie. Make sure you're consuming anti-inflammatory foods when you're breaking out to help bring down the inflammation from the inside. And then afterwards, sometimes we all, we all end up with acne scars at, at some point. Yeah. Uh, it's totally, yeah, it's totally, it happens. Uh, lemon balm and hibiscus. Um, those are two, uh, you can have them as teas, like two herbs that have been uh, found to be beneficial for hyperpigmentation and reducing hyperpigmentation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about that, about hibiscus because yeah. I do take that tea, uh, but I think I take it more for just like lowering my stress levels. Um, mm. So that's a really, really good one. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And this kind of leads to my second question here. So for someone struggling with acne and not knowing where to begin in their healing process, what would be the first steps that you'd recommend for them to take? Hmm. Well, first I would say like, just know that there's nothing wrong with you because I think a lot of times, and I know for me personally, like I internalized that there was something wrong with me because my body was not responding to all of the, the treatments and all of the things. So know that 
there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that you, whatever you're doing now, maybe is going after something that's not actually the problem, right? The root of the problem is the inflammation. So you want to figure out what's creating that inflammation. Maybe it's stressful thoughts. Maybe it's a diet. Um, Maybe it's, maybe you are eating healthy, but maybe you're lacking certain nutrients. Um, So you're just not eating enough of certain things. Um, maybe, um, you know, maybe you're having gut issues because I don't know, a medication you took a long time ago, or maybe from stress or whatever it is, there's so many different possible root causes. So just give yourself a little time and grace to figure out and get to the bottom of what's, what's causing the issues and know that your body is always on your side. It's not trying to work against you. Acne is really a blessing in disguise alerting you to that inflammation from within and now it's up to you to kind of be that body detective and figure out okay where in my diet and my lifestyle where can I make changes that will help and I definitely recommend checking out my website because I have a ton of resources on there uh, it's mariamarlo.com and um, you know from the causes the root causes of acne to foods that help to clear the skin um, and really everything in between it's a good starting place to s- start to learn about uh, the root causes of acne and how to clear it naturally no I love that you mentioned that because at the end of the day um, your body is a self-healing organism right like your body's not trying to work against you it's working with you right like it's trying to heal you every single day of your life so I think what you said about acne is really a blessing in disguise that is completely true and I know a lot of people do struggle with confidence when it comes to um, acne do you have any tips for someone dealing with that yeah um, because even personally I struggle with confidence for for so long and to be honest even after my skin cleared if someone commented on my skin and said oh your skin is really nice I would actually think they were mocking me. I had like this PTSD of like just feeling like, you know, my skin was broken out and everyone's looking at my skin and judging me on my skin. So I totally understand. I think, you know, the thing to keep in mind, like you mentioned, is your body is your friend. She's on your side or he's on your side. And the ailments, whether it's the acne or anything else, the bloating or headaches or pain or anything that you have, these are all messages and communications from your body. Your body's trying to speak to you. So just be gentle with it. Give yourself time to like figure out what is trying to say to you and and what's going on. Um, And I think I can say personally that a turning point for me was finally learning to love myself and like be okay with my skin because your skin's not going to stay like this forever it's not permanent and you know it doesn't reflect or change your value or your worth for sure it's just it's a condition you know it's like the weather like it changes and so if you can point like figure out like the things that you love about yourself and focus on that like maybe right now okay you don't love the acne okay fine I understand but what do you love are your legs really strong are you a runner are you you know what can you look at that you do love and you can be thankful and grateful for and focus on that focus on what you're thankful for and I think when you do that and you develop a gratitude practice that shifts your mindset so that over time it becomes easier to look for all the good in everything versus looking for all the bad Mm -hmm. and it sounds like such a simple and silly thing but it actually makes a world of difference so just 
just hang in there. Also, you know, find someone that you can talk to, whether it's friends or group, and just know that you're not alone. Um, so many people, so, so many people are going through this and uh, just give your, give your body some time and, and you will get there. And who knows, it may prompt you to set your life on a whole new journey like it did for me. Exactly. So. And I honestly, I love that. And I love that for you. And I love the fact that you mentioned about shifting your mind towards a more positive outcome. Because I feel like when you're struggling with acne, all you see can be sort of this cloudy, negative, um, oh no, like I'm struggling with acne, this is hurting my confidence. But at the end of the day, if you slowly start to shift to a more um, positive mindset, waking up with gratitude, waking up with feeling thankful that you're alive, you're healthy, you know, um, acne doesn't necessarily mean that you're not healthy. Um, you know, um, so at the end of the day, I really love that you emphasize on that. And there are so many different techniques. And I think this can also be a great stress management technique, right? Like if ever you are dealing with a stressful period of your life, um, just to take a moment to sit down and name five things that you're super grateful for in your life, you know, and then you're going to start to see, see that your brain is going to slowly shift. You're going to start to see the positive in things. And this used to be my experience, actually. Like, I think a couple of years ago, I was such a negative Nancy. Like, I was seeing this world in such a dark light, you know? I don't know why. And all of a sudden, like, I just started incorporating meditation in my everyday practice before going to bed, just meditating. And every single morning, waking up, feeling grateful for certain things. And this slowly, slowly shifted my mindset. And now it's like, when someone tells me something negative, I'm like, no, 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 it's just going to pass. It's just like a cloud, you know, it's going to change. Like something better is going to happen always, you know? And I think it's such a good, um, attitude to have towards life in general. And, um, for those listening, I did want to mention that Maria is also the author of a book called The Real Food Grocery Guide. Could you tell us a little bit more about this book? And also, I want to mention that I did purchase this book and I actually love it. It's one of the best. Like, I think there's so much information. Like, I haven't finished it because it's such a long book, but um, there's so much information in this book and I absolutely love it. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for purchasing. No um, yeah, so the Real Food Grocery Guide, this, um, this came out in 2017, and essentially it is the most practical guide to healthy eating, and it helps you really choose the healthiest food in every single aisle of the grocery store. Yeah. So each chapter is broken down by an aisle of the grocery store, whether it's produce or animal protein like seafood or meat or uh, anything and everything, and then really walks you through the practical ways of choosing the healthiest foods, how to uh, avoid being greenwashed, right? There's a lot of marketing yeah. terms that like make you think that foods are healthier than they actually are. So it basically explains everything and just makes healthy eating, I think, a little bit more fun and, and a little bit easier. Right. And um, also, Maria is the founder of Kuma Glow, which is a supplement designed to promote healthy skin from within. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you started this company? Yeah, so I started the company Kuma. Um, well, it really started a few years ago, but we officially launched at the end of last year. Congrats. And uh, it all started because, you know, with working with people for over 10 years, 
The thing that I saw move the needle the most for people was probiotics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually a couple of years ago, I was at an integrative dermatology conference and um, there were uh, a number of different dermatologists and speakers who were raving about this one particular probiotic strain, L-Remnosis SP1, mm-hmm. which had a clinical trial that showed that it reduced adult acne in 12 weeks. Okay. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Okay. And so... I did my research and I couldn't find any products on the market that had it. This was a European strain. And so I said, okay, fine, I'm going to bring this to the U.S. and, uh, and I'm going to create you know, a company and a product around this. So we, um, I worked with a team of scientists and we created the formula for Glow Biome, which is a probiotic plus prebiotic designed to support healthier, clearer, more hydrated skin from within. And um, yeah, after several years of research development finding the right uh contract manufacturer partner and bringing it to life we we launched uh basically in december of last year amazing congrats thank you no problem so i know that a lot of people also who listen to the podcast they are beauty entrepreneurs and what advice and like let's talk about a little bit the business side um what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs who want to venture into the supplement industry and build a successful business like kuma glow yeah So definitely be in for the long haul because it takes a really long time. You know, when it popped up in December, it could seem like, okay, it just came out of nowhere, but it was many years in the making. Um, And so, yeah, be be prepared for the long haul. Um, Have a really clear vision for what you want. Be prepared to hear lots of no's. No, we can't do this or no, you're too small or no this or no that. Um, You have to keep going and find, find the yes. Um, so that's really important. I guess it really comes back to mindset. That's that's key. Yeah. Um, but also finding the right partners. You know, we interviewed dozens of contract manufacturers across the com- uh, across the country before we decided on one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with supplements, anything that's ingestible quality is so so key. So we were really adamant about using an NSF certified facility, which is essentially the gold standard of supplement manufacturing. Um, they are audited by you know a third party to make sure that they are complying with all of the rules and regulations to ensure the highest quality um, products. So, for example, you know even from choosing our ingredients to like when the ingredients come there, they're tested. Then you know they're formulated um, and and uh, and manufactured, but it's tested during the manufacturing process. After the manufacturing process, we then send it to another third party for testing. So there's a lot of testing going around uh, on like many different times throughout the manufacturing process to really ensure that we have the highest quality, purity, and potency product, which I think is really important because, again, when you're doing an ingestible, quality is is the number one thing. Um, so you know, make sure you're choosing the good good partners of course yeah and where would people be able to purchase the product so they can get it on our website which is kumaglow.co it's k-u-m-a-g-l-o-w.co um, and we're also carried by a number of um, top estheticians across the country so um, acne clinic nyc uh, flawless by melissa fox in miami 
uh, Enlightened Beauty in um, San Francisco, Bridget Tolson um, in, in LA. So um, there are a number of estheticians that are now carrying our product at the spa as well. Amazing. So thank you so much, Maria, once again for joining me today. I'll definitely be linking Maria's information in the description of this episode. So thank you all for listening and make sure to tune in to next Sunday's episode. Bye, everyone. If you guys enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave a rating as this helps my podcast so, so much. And if you're located in the Montreal area, feel free to book a facial with me with the link in my bio on Instagram at skinwellness.studio. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And also make sure to download my free acne healing guide if you are on the road to healthier skin. On that note, I wish you all an amazing rest of your day and see you in the next episode.